Well, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off. Usually I do introductions. I'll throw to you. Uh, you can promo all your stuff. And then I'll probably ask you what cartoons you've watched lately. Uh, when we say cartoons, we mean uh, media in general. <laughs> Everything's a cartoon if you think really hard about it. Tuning in to Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. I am your host, Brian. You can find me on the internet at RoomwarePod, and you can find the podcast on Twitter uh, at Gay Space Pod. With me, as always, is my azure haired co host, August. Hello. I'm really more seafoam haired at this point because I haven't retouched my hair in a while, but. You can find me on Twitter at HarpyDora, and my pronouns are they, them. And with us today is our special guest, Pangea. Pangea, please introduce yourself to our to our uh, Hi. listeners. <laughs> Hi, I'm Pangea. I'm currently dirty-haired um, and with lack of rest over here. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find me on all my social medias. I'm a, I'm a Chicago-based drag queen um, out here trying to live my life in, you know... Be cute or whatever. You can find me on all my social medias at Pangea, P-A-N-G-A-E-A underscore uh, S underscore planet. Um, that's on Twitter and on um, Instagram. Um, yeah, that's about it for me. I do have a show coming up on the 9th with Chicago Black Drag Council, which you can look up on their Twitter or on their Instagram at Chicago Black Drag Council. It's a 2000s-themed uh, uh, drag show, and I'll be doing some fun smash mouth for your nerves, you know? Oh, damn. Throwing it all <laughs> the way back. <laughs> um, and as far as cartoons I've been watching, uh, I mean, my good old reliable is always Bob's Burgers. I think I've watched every episode at least five times, and whenever I'm, like, crafting, it's the go-to background sound. Um reality i mean uh live action cartoons i just finished the golden uh the last few of like the golden compass like his dark materials thing on uh hbo max and veneno on hbo max which like messed me all the way up but it's such a beautiful 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 piece oh interesting how how is that show because i haven't i haven't started watching it yet but i've heard i've heard good things i just don't know i i don't know anyone who started watching it so so how 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 what's your uh general take on it on veneno uh, oh, I uh, know. Uh, sorry, on uh, the Golden Compass bit. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's way better than the movie. I was like a big fan of those books growing up. I like grew up in like a super anti-religion house, so like those were always like our go-to reading material. Um, <laughs> and so I, I had a. I'm having a blast with it. I think it's cast beautifully. I think it's like shot beautifully. You got random Lin-Manuel Miranda in there acting like Hamilton or whatever. It's fun. It's a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And and what was the what was the other thing that you had been watching? Veneno? What what is that? I don't know anything about that. What is that? Oh, it's great. It's this new show on HBO Max. It's uh like storying it's telling the story of this like trans Spanish icon um in the nineties. 
and it's really beautiful. It's like definitely, I have to take the episodes like a week at a time, honestly, because of the amount of like emotional labor it takes to get through them sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it's really, really beautiful, and like all the actors in it are just like so talented and so stunning. Every shot is like a work of art. Like they don't miss a beat with like how beautiful they make this the show. The dubbed version is fine, but I mean, I would have to go with subtitles here only because the dubbed version, like, <laughs> it's just like a little rough sometimes. No, yeah, that, matching that's up. <laughs> I feel like for a live action series, I would much prefer something with subtitles, anyways, because then you get like a more direct connection, emotion wise, to the lines being delivered. Definitely, yeah. definitely. It's so much more beautiful. I I started watching the dub version because I was feeling lazy. And then, like, I started, I switched over and rewatched again with just, like, <laughs> actually <laughs> the subtitles. And I was like, oh, wow, this is so much. Not that it, uh, the dub isn't great and the dub actors aren't killing it, but it's just so much more, like, connected with the, with the, <laughs> with the subtitles and with their actual voices coming out of their mouths. Yeah, yeah. For, and it's like for, Spanish from Spain, which is like such a romantic Spanish. Like there's a little list they do in Barcelona that's just so pretty. Oh. I love it. Oh, interesting. Huh. That sounds really yeah. good. I'm going to probably check that out because HBO Max has told me fuck all about that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I the can only see thing... them not putting it out there. Yeah, like the only two <laughs> things I've watched on HBO Max are like basically just Steven Universe and I watch Lovecraft Country and the algorithm is like, we don't know what you are. What is wrong? What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lovecraft Country is the one that I haven't started yet, but I know I need to because I like I'm, I love a good uh, scary movie moment. And so if I can have it as a series, I'm totally down. But I'm like. Sometimes it just seems so arduous to start new shows. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. That's a mood. Yeah. Speaking of, August, have you watched any cartoons lately? Um, okay. So I was stuck in a chair for three and a half hours on Saturday, and I could do nothing but watch uh, Hulu and or Netflix. Mm-hmm. And um, for the first, like half hour we were like quasi sort of watching drunk history but it was jacked up somehow and was like skipping whole swaths of episodes so we switched to netflix and i watched a couple of episodes of queer eye because you know i figured that would take my mind off things and then as things wore on i ended up going back to the good old chestnut of oran high school host club (laughs) oh yeah Um, Love. Because sometimes you're sitting there and you're having somebody stab you multiple times with a needle and you just want to kiss, kiss, fall in love. percent. So. 100%. 100%. I just finished Kekagori, too. I think that's how it's pronounced. The, the gambling yeah. uh, mm-hmm. anime. Oh, my God. What a great time. <laughs> I just, I just really did not expect you to like to be like, yeah, we were watching Drunk History and then move into Orin High School Club. I mean, well, that's a... Solid cocktail of an evening there. It's true. Yeah, I mean, it It was fine. Like, I just wanted something that I didn't have to, like, actually focus on. Because by that point in the sitting, I was just like, okay, are we done yet? Are we done yet? Are we done yet? Are we done yet? Right, right. Because I refused to do a second sitting. I wanted it all in one go, so. No, that's fair. That makes sense. What were you doing? Oh, I was getting tattooed. Oh, I was like, needles? What a wild time. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was getting my first tattoo. Um, Oh, awesome. 
Yeah, I can show you pictures later, but uh, yeah, it was an experience. I want another one, but I'm going to wait on that. But yeah, you should probably. Yeah, I want to get my first tattoo sometime this year, too. Ooh, nice. But I, I'm like so anti committal with everything to do with my body that it took me like five years to get my ears pierced. <laughs> so we'll see when I actually follow through with this. But I want a tramp stamp. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that oh yeah all the tattoos i want are on my back and they're all trashy because i don't know they reflect my moment and my mood which i'm like should i bank on like my moment being the decision maker or should i like think further on it and i'm choosing the think further option currently that's fair but we'll see we'll see we're in the middle of the pandemic we might go wild and get my angel wings tattooed on my back one day oh that'd be pretty do it (laughs) um i've been watching just weird what was that youtube channel i was talking about earlier no i I literally just started a youtube channel today called five by five takes they're very tiny i didn't realize they were tiny because they have very good production values um so that's pretty nice they had a thing about buffy the vampire they they had a, a video about defending buffy the vampire slayer season six uh so i was like well all right i guess we're on the same page about that uh <laughs> is that the is that the one with like the the god who comes and like takes away tara's like ability to think or whatever no that's season five season six is like okay. the episode the season basically everyone hates because like tonal whiplash and then like they fridge tara which is like fair at, the, at that on that point um mm-hmm. but listen uh, i could go on about why i think season six is a train wreck so <laughs> i could like they bring up a lot of points that I've like the thing I liked is like they, they echoed a lot of points that I've made about season six, which is like not my favorite season of Buffy Vampire Slayer, but it's like number two. <laughs> wow. Yeah, motherfucker. I love, Brian. I love me some Buffy. I love Solo. I like season six of Buffy. Uh, I'm here with the bad takes. <laughs> Brian, mm-hmm. it's it's a shame that we're going to have to end this podcast <laughs> after how many episodes because we're not friends anymore. <laughs> I mean, I mean, season six hosts one of the best season, episodes in the entire universe, which is once more worth feeling, hands down, no doubt. I mean, sure. Like, that's a really great episode. And I don't think anybody who has ears can argue that. But just this because it has a really great episode and it doesn't mean that it isn't like kind of a horrible mishmash where they had no idea where they were going and they couldn't actually commit to one single theme and like they did Terra dirty they did willow dirty i think okay so i think they did Terra dirty <laughs> definitely i'm not arguing that point that didn't nec- i feel like we could have gotten to the end point of the season without that but basically like i how i've always felt is i feel like season six it Season six probably should have been the last season of Buffy, but then you can't just end like the way season six ended. You can't just end the fucking series there. Like if you didn't end it at season five, then you definitely couldn't end it on season six. Um, Mm. But it's like season six functions as an epilogue series of like, well, we beat the biggest bad we ever beat. uh, And then we made a really selfish choice. And then everyone has to live with the choices that they've made. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but they couldn't commit. They they That's couldn't fair. commit. They didn't go hard enough on what was going on with Willow. They should have gone way harder on that because that would have been even more 
emotionally gut-wrenching with everything else that was happening with, you know, having revived Buffy and everything. And like, okay, I'll, okay, you know what, Brian? You know what? <laughs> At some point between seasons, I will try to mainline season six of Buffy and we will fucking Kubrick that shit. Okay. <laughs> also, I, I'm also like a dirty, like, Spike-like st- stan, so oh no i love spike yeah. like we're we're on the same page there like spike's awful i love him yeah he's the best bad boy he's so yeah. awful he's so he's so terrible it's great but he's he's such a fucking nerd like he tries so hard he's such a try hard but he's still a fucking nerd it's great i love it um mm-hmm. but yeah that that was five by five takes they have some good video they have mostly videos that get about she-ra's that like the basically the only videos they have with views on them are the ones about she-ra and then everything else is just like no views but good good essays otherwise uh <laughs> and then i've been watching one division but i'm not gonna try i'm not gonna it, that's too new for me to like talk at length about but it's pretty good i like when television shows decide to get real fucking weird with their properties um love so but uh let's go i don't think there's any steven universe news i haven't noticed anything Jew august uh no i haven't seen anything and i've got beach of palooza already so that's the only source of news i had i finally got my dvd box set audience uh cartoon network bait and switched me a little bit on it i'm not bitter it's fine uh (laughs) So do you know the official order now? Because I I the, I was listening to last the last podcast you had about like what what order are we in going in it anymore? You know? Yeah. Because uh, I uh, even when looking at things up and uh, to look up for this podcast, I was like these numbers they make no, no sense. sense. No, none. <laughs> uh, so we, we basically we're still going off of what the basically we're going off of the order on the wick like the Steven Universe wiki. Um, mm-hmm. Because I never real like because it's so it lines up until the end of this and then basically post this season in the beginning of season two it all falls into line um it just like basically cartoon network at the time apparently like pushed real hard to get the first steven bomb out and so what that did is it preempted the like three episodes in the season that got bumped over to season two so yolo Mm. uh (laughs) wild and free yep but on that note, we're going to start our, our uh, episodes this week. We are watch, we watch, blah, can't talk. We watch episodes 46, 47, and 48, Open Book, Shirt Club, and Story for Steven. Uh, we're going to start out with episode 46, Open Book. Um, it was written and storyboarded by Hilary Florido and Katie Mitroff. Uh, came out on March 19th. 2015 doesn't really matter official (laughs) synopsis steven and connie want a new ending to a beloved book series so steven takes them to rose's room to reenact it all right i'm gonna give them a pass that on that one yeah that seems about right yeah Mm -hmm. after reading the last installment of the uh unfamiliar familiar series i the wiki always calls it the spirit spirit morph saga i'm pretty sure Fucking no one says that in the show. (laughs) I don't like that may be what the actual series is, but I always thought the fucking name of the book series was unfamiliar familiar. That may just be like one book inside of that series, 
but it's unfamiliar familiar. And I'm going to refer to it as such from that point on. Fight me, Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> Stephen the closes the book in size. Connie immediately asks Stephen for his opinion. Uh, when Stephen sort of hesitates on giving his opinion to Connie, Connie goes immediately into a tirade how she feels like the end of the books ruined the books by going into a romantic subplot and ditching all of the political allegory and themes that they had been building up to. Uh, she goes on about this at length for like a while uh steven looking increasingly uncomfortable as it goes on um she laments wishing that they could change the ending uh steven says that they probably could and offers to use rose's room to be able to do that um they enter the room and steven basically explains how the room works uh it makes things out of clouds probably uh he summons a whale they high five it's great um, basically explains that this, the book, the, not the book, the room can make anything, uh, and Connie's like, well, let's make the infinity fair, and Steven's like, let's calm down a little bit and not overload it too much, uh, so they decide to make a costume shop, uh, basically they turn into the characters, Steven becomes the character of Arkham Icarus, the owl, uh, Connie goes into a costume shop. Excuse you. <laughs> falcon <laughs> the owl yeah the what's the real difference between an owl, uh, an owl and a falcon danielle will murder you <laughs> she knows where you live um uh he turns into a falcon connie goes into the costume shop uh she begins kind of like coming up with the perfect costume for the main character of this series whose name is i thought i had it written down here I can't remember. Lucy? Was it Lisa? Da, 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 da. I feel Lisa. like it wasn't Lucy. Lisa. It's Lisa. It's right here. There it goes. Uh, she's trying to create the costume for the perfect Lisa. Stephen becomes impatient, uh, saying, I want to see you now. And Connie walks out uh, looking very fancy. She's got like an eye patch on. It's very good. Uh, and then they proceed to sort of rewrite the book. Stephen's like, where should we start? And Connie tells him, like, well, where do you think we should start? So Stephen kind of starts riffing, saying that, well, the if the uh, wedding ending doesn't work, well, let's do a business proposal. Uh, and they start selling uh, turkey legs for the rebellion. Uh, <laughs> as they're doing that, they kind of reach the end of that. And he's like, well, what do you think we should do now? Connie kind of urging Stephen to voice his opinion again. Uh, they meet the sky dragon. Uh, it screams and then eats a turkey leg whole bones and all exclaiming connie um again steven asks connie what they should be doing uh connie kind of urges steven for his idea he's like well we should be fighting the authorities so he summons a uh group of three knights in armor uh because who are trying to shut them down because they're they're selling turkey legs without a permit and they're underage, but these are free range turkeys and they didn't listen to nobody. Um, <laughs> and so they begin fighting the uh, knights hiding behind the turkey leg cart. Um, finally, Stephen asks Connie, uh, you know, what do you what do you want to do? Uh, and she's like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, listen, I'm trying here. I don't want to just do what you want to do. Which this freaks out Connie. We realize at this point that this isn't the real Connie. This is a Connie that Steven has summoned through the room. Uh, and he's trapped her in a fucking logic paradox. Steven, very upset about this, decides he's no longer playing. Everything stops. Um, he gets rid of the background. He gets rid of the card. He gets rid of the knights. Turning, pausing for a moment, he gets rid of fake Connie. 
only for fake Connie to reform. And he's like, how did you survive that? And she's like, you told me you didn't want me to do what you wanted to do. Uh, and then they basically begin scuffling as Steven's desperately looking for the real Connie. Um, fake Connie is chasing Steven. She's very capable. Uh, Steven tries to escape <laughs> on the Sky Dragon, but fake Connie chases him, eventually knocking him off of the Sky Dragon. They fall like a trillion feet. Who knows? Uh, Steven lands him directly on his fucking head and neck uh, and survives. <laughs> um, and... Uh, fake Connie uh, appears saying, I know what you really want, appearing as Connie in a wedding dress. Uh, real Connie pops up and she's like, Stephen, what's going on? And is kind of freaked out for a second by the image of like Stephen being tackled by an image of her inside of a wedding dress. But Stephen calls out for help. Uh, Connie, without thinking about it, runs in, immediately knocks fake Connie off of Stephen. They begin fighting. Real Connie cuts fake Connie in half. Uh, but she reforms because she's just made out of clouds. Um, fake Connie keeps urging Steven to tell Connie the truth. She says, I know that you like her. I know that you want her to like you too. You need to tell her the truth. And Steven's like, shut up, go away. Until finally Steven laments telling Connie that he really liked the end of the books. He loved the wedding. He loved the relationship between Lisa and Arkham Icarus. Uh, he loved the wedding cake. He wanted to draw a picture of it. He loved the book ending, and he was afraid to tell Connie because he would he was afraid that she would judge him. Uh, this finally sates uh, fake Connie, who disappears into clouds. Um, real Connie is talking to Steven saying, of course you loved the wedding, Steven. You're Steven. Uh, <laughs> you love sappy stuff. Um, we cut to them walking out of Rose's room, uh, Steven kind of, and Connie debating the end of the book. Basically, Steven's kind of laying out his point that the Arkham Icarus-Lisa relationship was set up for a long time in the books, and that was kind of a slow burn relationship. Uh, we pan up to see a picture that Steven, I, I assume, drew. Uh, of Lisa and Arkham Icarus getting married, uh, star wipe the end. So, uh, the, the existential horror has returned to Steven Universe. We were, we're talking about, the thing. yeah, we were talking about how it wasn't here last week. Or not last week, but you know, it's whatever. Everyone knows I'm, what I'm talking about at this point. I've been doing it for fucking 15 episodes. I just keep referring to time as this nebulous concept. <laughs> time is fake it's very fake but yeah um uh first note uh as always these two are adorable they're always adorable <laughs> they're very cute <laughs> they're the sweetest uh uh I'm going. connie very clearly hated harry potter's ending <laughs> like this is on no uncertain terms is this not about Harry Potter and putting Rowling on blast? I feel like, just judging from the way that Steven describes this book series, it ended better than Harry Potter did. Yeah, 100%. I, but... Yeah, I am uh, still... I'm knee-deep in the ending of The Shrieking Shack. And let me tell you, I forgot how bad the ending of those books were. <laughs> Yeah, and Rawling was all like, oh, I knew the ending from the very beginning, and I had the last chapter put in a bank vault so it would be safe until the very end, and then it's, you know, you get to the last chapter, and it's just like, fucking really? <laughs> I mean, she probably had that fucking epilogue written for a hot minute. Yeah. 
But she called it the last chapter when she was, like, prancing about talking about it on, like, press junkets and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was definitely the epilogue. But even if it was just the last chapter versus the epilogue, either way, fucking really. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but uh, I love Connie just to, like, I, I like I love when the, the scene starts off, you're like, ah, Steven's using this book. And I'm like, Connie's, like, sitting right next to him, though, isn't she? And then the camera, like, panned around. She's, like, one inch away from Steven's face. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're so sweet together. They're just so sweet. They are. They're just, like, fucking adorable, and I love them. Like, Connie just, like, going full tilt nerd mode is great. Uh-huh. Sharing your interests as a kid is so lit, because you're like, oh, the whole world's gonna love this, too, because I love it. Right? <laughs> yeah. There's, like, no shadow of a doubt that, like, all your interests are, are universal. <laughs> also, I feel like Connie's rant made, like, just made me... A, like, I, on both ends of Connie's rant, on, like, one end, I'm, like, I feel like that's the same level of, like, anger I had walking out of Rise of Skywalker. And on the opposite side, Steven is me every time somebody starts, like, going hard about, like, Solo in the Star Wars fandom. I'm just sitting over here, like, well, <laughs> you know, it's got some, it's got some point. It's got some merit to it. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, it's still really cute that Steven wants to make fanfic for Connie, though. I know, right? Like, <laughs> it's like, uh, like Steven, we just need to get Steven like an age restricted, uh, account to AO3. <laughs> he'll never, he'll never emerge from his phone again. I don't know. Like, okay, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I feel like Connie is the one who's more likely to consume fanfic versus uh, Steven. Um, although I feel like Steven would probably... I feel like Connie writes meta, Steven writes fanfic. Yeah, yeah. Like, Connie would write, like, a fix-it fic. Steven is just gonna write, like, sappy post post finale like slice of life things about this bird man and his 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 wife. Yes. I agree. I agree. Connie's definitely the indoor kid to Steven's outdoor kid and I feel like Steven wouldn't have the have the time or the patience to sit down and write anything to be honest. It's true. But if you can <laughs> yeah. if you can physically get into it, that's where you get him. Yeah. Um the I like Steven. I wrote here when Steven suggests using Rovis' room. Steven, what do you mean I need to learn from past events, universe? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. No, no, no. He demonstrably did learn from past events because he didn't try to make the Infinity Fair because that was going to be too big. He knew to keep it simple. It's true. He did. I wrote this before we got to that part, but I do. I, I do appreciate that the 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 writers were like, "All right, Stephen has to have figured out that this room is kind of bad news sometimes if you push it too hard." So that was that was a nice little thing. Also, I wrote whale exclamation point. I know. I love that fucking whale. It is listed as a character. This episode hmm? are so good. Our, the animators this episode have had so much fun. Everything they made is so sweet. <laughs> uh, the little whale was so darling. It, it's the little whale, tiny floating whale, which is, by the way, a, a, a credited character <laughs> on the Wikipedia's tiny floating whale. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, a dream role right there. Yep. 
the I wonder how many episodes time it's been in two episodes. Okay, good. Um <laughs> This one in the previous Rose's Room episode. Uh, Tiny Floating Whale is pretty fucking solid. Um, the, uh, I like the line, like, from Connie, the, um, uh, what really matters is the character. And I just feel like Connie turns immediately, like, turns immediately to, like, the audience and, like, stares them directly in the eyes and, like, looks into the soul of the fandom is, like, what really matters is the characters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though this was written before Steven Universe got, like, real big and its fandom got unwieldy. Okay, okay. so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Rebecca Sugar was a homestuck. Rebecca knows what fandom can be like. Like, nobody comes out of the homestuck fandom unscathed. <laughs> So there are no <laughs> there are no civilians in Homestuck. There are not. You cannot be a Homestuck and not have battle scars. <laughs> oh. That's fair. I just like like that's a good line though, but yeah. Were you gonna say something, Pangea? No, I was just giggling at Homestuck oh. and the memories. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that one threw it back for me. <laughs> uh, I, I would like to formally apologize to Danielle for how many times I tagged Danielle into a whole bunch of screen caps from this episode. Our friend Danielle <laughs> Pangea uh, is a is mm-hmm. very big fan of Animorphs and specifically Tobias um, and really likes Falcons, uh, mm-hmm. has a Falcon. <laughs> um no, it, it Jesse's a red-tailed hawk. Wait, they have a a bird of prey. Yes, <laughs> Jesse's Jesse awesome. is a red-tailed hawk and not a falcon at all. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> Daniel, go outside and tell Jesse I'm sorry. I know they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I do love an animorph. Oh uh, well, you should listen to some of our other. Podcasts are our guild producers. We we have Animorphs fandom is very well represented in the the uh, like weird Gordian knot of podcasts that we're involved with. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, I like I love how Steven is just making this whole thing just for Connie. Like he doesn't want to fucking do any of this. Not really. Like, he wants to, obviously wants to play and hang out and play make-believe, right? Um, But, like, he, like, makes the cost, like, he's trying so hard to just, like, make the thing that Connie wants to do so well. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's just such a supportive little guy. He's the best. (laughs) Like, he had to, his whole imagination built that whole costume shop with these references that if I were reading a book at that age, wouldn't have remembered at all right. past like 30 minutes after reading those words, <laughs> which I found incredibly impressive. <laughs> oh, speaking of the recalling thing, I love when Connie, corre- like I just wrote down uh, when Connie like corrects Steven about like the color of the setting sun in this stupid fucking fantasy setting. I was like, yeah, Steven, you fake uh-huh. fan. <laughs> Obviously, it was black. Duh. God. <laughs> yeah. Fucking and when she recalled, Steven when Universe she'd... out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she has, like, a detail from every single book as a costume piece. Is like, 
the the costumer in me was like, yes, <laughs> yes, please. More props is the better kind of props, but, you know. Fucking fan fiction queen Connie Mahesh Warren uh-huh. here. Uh huh. Uh huh. She was ready. Although, I don't know. Like, in some ways, I almost okay. So it was Steven's idea to go do the fanficy thing. Mm-hmm. I almost see like. Steven and Connie as being representative of the two types of fandom because you have the um the the type of fandom that is about knowing facts and having knowledge which is where you get a lot of the you know a lot of the kind of skeevy gatekeepy people tend to mm-hmm. fall into that category you know people who want you to know trivia want you to have read x number of issues of the comic that kind mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. Whereas Steven is more interested in, whereas Steven is more interested in like, hey, let's fix this. Hey, let's interact with this in like a creative way. You know, Mm -hmm. he wants, you know, he's interested in, you know, having accurate costumes. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, simple, but accurate. Um, I can relate. I can relate. I feel like Steven's definitely the kid that believes in like, or it's more into the like the world building of it all, you know. Yeah. Like I, the people who like lore for the fantasy of like, oh, where are they? What are they wearing? Like, what abilities do they have? You know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, what is this character doing in this instance? Which I can relate. I'm like, I was so that kid growing up. Yeah, that, that's a solid point because like Stevens also probably of the two, even though like. We've seen Connie do creative things, like, she plays violin, but she kind of plays violin just because her parents make her. She probably wouldn't play, like, we don't see Connie playing violin recreationally for a hot minute until we get to, like, jam butts. Um, And then at that point, she's not really playing, obviously, like, you know, uh, I just... (laughs) <laughs> the like Connie kind of like reminds me of the, her interactions like when it comes to creativity like and expressing herself like Steven is definitely like a catalyst for her like finding a greater um like a greater avenue for self-expression um mm-hmm. and but Steven is like already like he's a, he's an arty kid like he's an artsy creative kid Right. Because like it's not the first time like this isn't the first episode, nor is like shirt that the first time we've seen like Steven like drawing or making or cooking or doing, you know. And so it, it, it makes sense that like Steven would be like, yeah, let's just make let's do the biggest fucking, you know, make believe house that we can and we'll just make a new thing, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, oh, go and he's a kid with an access to the ability to like actually actualized fantasies which is like so sick <laughs> right but I, I feel like even if he didn't have like access to this room he would this would probably still something similar to this just in oh, a more yeah. mundane way would still be his suggestion solution to the problem definitely yeah. definitely um some good old larping you know yeah, exactly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> why is it that steven's solution to every problem if given like no impetus on what the re- the actual solution to the problem is. Steven's like, ah, yes, the solution to this problem is to start a small business. <laughs> well, I mean, 
Look at what his dad did. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I guess that's fair. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But it's, it's like Watermelon Stevens. He sets up a little fruit cart. <laughs> this is like, well, how do we raise money for the rebellion? Sell turkey legs. <laughs> also, that's the solution to like fighting <laughs> the ending is turkey leg sales. It's true. Yeah. As well. If a wedding doesn't suit you, try selling turkey legs. <laughs> and if that doesn't suit you, get the government involved. Yeah. Sell unlicensed turkey. Mm-hmm. Jesus. What, nothing's more punk rock than not having your food your food service license. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Tell me something more punk rock, I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably the food poisoning you get eventually from that. <laughs> true, true. That's why you gotta skip town by the time they finish uh, digesting. <laughs> uh, I also wrote down here that Rebel Turkey Legs is my new food truck name. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um also the sky lizard is hilarious. <laughs> I la- I've watched Another these I watched these episodes like 3 times before we do we we do the podcast and I laughed every time that thing opened its fucking mouth. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> another great, another great character design. The whale and the lizard really stole my heart this episode. The tiny, tiny, tiny little wings on the bulbous green body is just mwah, chef's kiss. True. It's just like it. it, it sky lizards are. I, I'm going to try and get sky lizard into the season three art. Uh, <laughs> um. The. Just kind of like moving through here, like the um, I like like I feel like the very first time I ever watched these episodes, and this is like fucking years ago. Like I don't, I don't think it initially hit me that it's a fake Connie, even though it probably should, because it's pretty obvious from like the jump, it's a fake Connie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I had a note. Connie's a part of the room, isn't she? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. The first time, the first time I fully was, I didn't under, I didn't get it till it was too late. But then this second go around, you're like, oh, you can definitely pick up from the first time that she like loses her personality instantly. Yeah, exactly. She had all these ideas and then immediately just kind of cast them away. So I think like if you're for an, a younger audience or frankly, if you're watching these without a critical like because we're coming all coming into this with like this critical perception of what's going on in the episode, not just kind of experiencing the episode as is. So that also might be it. Um, but like, I, I feel like they kind of build to that pretty well. Like, they, they set up pretty... They do a little bit of faking out where, like, the, the, the fake Connie will say stuff back, like, interact with Steven, not just be there as... Pa- like, be there entirely passive. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that... Well, mm-hmm. I mean, we knew that the room can do that kind of thing, though. Like, Yeah, that's true. It's You just forget that the room it, is a fucking terrifying hellscape. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because it's always forgotten. approached with such, <laughs> it's always approached through such innocent eyes, you know, like that room, because it's, it's Steven, of course, but like, it, it, I forget from time to time, like how truly sinister it can be, <laughs> especially to like a child. Yeah. Uh, it was very, like, when he's sitting there and he's like, I did this whole, like, he did the whole thing for her, he's like, I he was just trying to impress, he was just trying to impress his, his friends. Trying to do something nice so for Connie. He's the best boy. I wrote because I hand I had to I had to <laughs> handwrite my notes again because I was doing this at work, and um, 
I literally wrote the I drew the crying emoji after I wrote he did it for her. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. If you ever wanted to know what if you think my notes when I type them are terrible. Uh, the handwritten ones are even worse. Uh, the sound design where they sync up the fake Connie doing the like logic re- repeats with like the pounding on the um, the cart is just really good. Like they're so good at building mm-hmm. tension and making you stressed out very quickly in this show. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the writers the writers snapped on this episode. They really did uh, what they had to do to make us feel all kind of things. Mm-hmm. The it was just like very my next yeah, go on sorry. My next note was uh oh this is a hollow deck malfunction episode isn't it? <laughs> this is that episode where Moriarty's running amok on the fucking Enterprise. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I was thinking the exact same thing. That's exactly my thought. <laughs> it is very much like that. Um, I love the like. As soon as, like, fake Connie is revealed to be fake, they just start animating her in the most inhuman ways. Like, mm-hmm. her fucking arms just don't move or don't move in conjunction with the rest of her body. Or she, like, moves really, like, her her run is just really off. And it's very good yeah. of just being, like, unsettling you immediately. Uh-huh. That bump Steven takes off yeah. the Sky Dragon is fucking, like, he lands full on he, on his head and neck, and it's just, like, the roughest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, Steven can take a tumble. That's his thing. I mean, it's true. We get to that, I guess, in Steven Universe future, but, like, fuck. <laughs> Somebody throw up the X. He is done. Um, the, uh, I like how like there's no hesitation of connie being like what's going on here like trying to interrogate the situation she's like i got i guess i've just gotta save steven i'm gonna have to beat up this version of me whatever i'll deal with this later (laughs) kill your devil that is quite a lot to unpack (laughs) (laughs) like connie's like i'm just gonna push this way down let's go (laughs) my my instant flight or flight a flight or fight reaction to seeing myself in a wedding dress is just slice it in half (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that seems about right frankly I mean I'd do the same you couldn't catch me in the same room as me in a wedding dress they'd be sliced in half I feel like they're also setting this up for like yeah Connie is a person of action like they're, they're using this to sort of like foreshadow the, the places they're going to take Connie's character in season 2 as well because uh, mm-hmm. you know she gets more action-y uh Steven's a dork. He's an adorable dork. He's very cute. I feel yeah. like I might have similar feelings about the wedding as Steven. Like, I mean, I totally I totally vibe with Connie on the whole like uh anti-authoritarian message and then completely fumbling it at the end. But at the same time, like it sounds like there's got to be a deep soul bond between a, a familiar and their their wizard slash witch slash whatever they're calling it in this uh, universe. And I would probably have been a dirty Lisa Archimicarus shipper. So <laughs> you probably you would. I, I know it. <laughs> I know you well enough to yeah, make you've that call. Yeah, you met me. <laughs> you August. 
<laughs> I mean, we're, pl- we're, pl- we're playing Transistor right now, and you keep, like, all you and Mac are doing are just, like, crying about this sword, yeah. the sword man, so. Yes. Um, but I, I like how Connie, assu- A, assuages his fears, and is like, of course you love the wedding, you're Steven. Like, <laughs> Steven loves weddings, he loves people being happy, he loves sappy, sweet stuff. Like, it's very in character for him, and it's very cute. Yeah, I like how the show gives him room to enjoy those quote-unquote girly things like weddings and costuming and, uh, you know, playing dress-up and the color pink and sappy romantic shit. Yeah, like, it's interesting that they, mm-hmm. po- like, I mean, it's it, it's a nice move. It's not necessarily interesting because it makes, honestly, like, a whole lot of sense considering, like, the people who made the show and the crew involved and everything. But, like, to center your your male protagonist on a Western cartoon show... Uh, and to heavily associate with him as, like, the color that, like, if you had to think of a color that represents Steven, it's pink, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, given, like, there's, you know, there's weight that goes with that decision, and like, in the story, but, like, from a from the outside, like, the, the Steven color is pink. And it's very, I feel like that's, like, it's kind of like them immediately kind of setting a mission statement, you know? Yeah, I feel like there was definitely an agenda from day one, yeah. and it was a great agenda. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, good agenda. Um, yeah. The uh, I also like that they kind of validate Stephen, like Stephen's read of the book at the end with their little conversation. Like Stephen isn't just like the sappy one; like he has legitimate reasons to think that this was the like a good and correct ending for the series, because Stephen mm-hmm. reads it with that more emotional, like a more eye on emotion as opposed to like like you know capital P plot in action and everything. He's really invested in like moment to moment character beats, uh, mm-hmm. and so like in that not and they do a good job of saying that like not Connie's also not necessarily wrong, you know. Uh, you know, if I was a person who was reviewing this book in, in the world of Steven Universe, I'd be like, you know, it's really hard to land the plane on a giant franchise. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I feel like uh, this, this I feel like this is interesting, like an interesting topic to return to when we get to the end of this particular series in like two years. Um <laughs> Uh, I I love uh, Stephen as a whole. This episode, he gave like such sweet homeschool kid energy, where he's like just wants to keep his best friend this whole time and wants to like keep her thoroughly entertained this whole time. And the one romantic like f- uh, story that Stephen knows is is his own parents, which is this like beautiful, great love and loss. So like there's no stopping Stephen from being a pure romantic in this moment, you know? It's, it's, it's just so sweet. It's true. If you think about the, the, like, his main human influence when it comes to relationships is Greg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it makes sense that he's like, ah, yes, weddings. Um, yeah, lives in such extremes and such, such a romantic eye to things and sees the world in pink, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is lovely. Uh, all right. My last note is all with like 18 W's. Uh, <laughs> so um, let's see. Do we have anything else to say about 
uh, about open book. That was my beginning and end there. The, just how sweet, sweet and kind Stephen was the whole time. Okay. To, to like a fault almost. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was it for me. Okay. Watcha. Um, it's nice to have physical notes, then you can just throw them when you're done. Um, <laughs> all right, moving on to episode 47, Shirt Club. This was written by Helen Joe and Lamar Abrams. Sorry, I've got the hiccups now. Give me a second. Wow, the official synopsis of this episode. <laughs> Steven and Buck Dewey make t-shirts together. Oh my god. Love. Oh my god. Love. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh my god. They, they don't I Did they even Just like no You know what? No. <laughs> like if I gave if I was if I gave that little a fuck at my job, I would get fired. <laughs> uh Jesus. Uh, <laughs> the episode starts off with Steven drawing a flyer for Greg's guitar lessons. He then calls the Crystal Gems to see what they think. Uh, they are on the couch right under him, and he runs down to show them his uh, his drawing. Uh, the Crystal Gems don't quite get it, get it, kind of like giving him critiques. Uh, while well, Steven's like, listen, the time for notes is beyond us. This was done in permanent marker. Uh, Steven, I guess, makes <laughs> photocopies of them at the local library. That's my headcanon for what happened in those in, in between scenes. Um, he goes to put uh, one of the flyers up at the Big Donut. Uh, Sadie asks him what it's for. It, basically, Greg's trying to do guitar lessons. I assume to like make some extra money. Um, and it... Uh, Everyone's very passive about it until uh, in walks in Buck Dewey, one of the cool kids from Lars and the Cool Kids. Um, the uh, Lars is quick to rush to kind of like basically fawn over Buck. Uh, he looks at the menu, orders a caprese salad. Lars is like, I'll go make you one right now. And Sadie's like, we don't even have vegetables. What are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, Steven's putting up flyers, uh, Buck, uh, asks him about it, uh, Steven explains, um, what it is, and tapes one to Steve, or to Buck's shirt, Buck thinks that it looks hilarious and would make a great t-shirt, uh, and so he invites Steven to come and make some with him, uh, they end up at the abandoned, it's called the abandoned warehouse, because there's only one in all of Beach City, and it's used apparently for everything from raves to wrestling shows to Mary, Mary Dewey's, like, printing press, uh, <laughs> uh, Mayor Dewey is there. He's kind of like unloading uh, a whole bunch of equipment. Oh, actually, I guess that makes sense. Dewey must have brought all of the equipment over for Buck. Buck must have asked him to bring it over. Uh, anyways, sorry. Um, basically, the mayor's like very excited that his sons of getting back into the family business. Buck says, "I'm not. Get- I'm not getting into the political business. I'm making T-shirts. I'm making art with my friends, Dad. God." Uh, Stephen then spots an old uh, flyer uh, for saying, "Elect Mayor Dewey," made by du- uh, Duck, made by Buck, um, in a very similar style to the way that Stephen uh, drew it. Mayor Dewey gets very sentimental about this, uh, but Buck becomes noticeably embarrassed uh, and instructs Stephen that they need to get to work. Um, they make up a whole bunch of t-shirts and Buck decides to deliver the t-shirts in the most radical way possible. Uh, they go up to the bell tower that's inexplicably in uh, Beach City uh, with a t-shirt gun and begin just fucking 
pelting people in the fucking face with oh my with God. t-shirts. Uh, initially, they hit sour cream, and then Ronaldo, and then finally Lars. Um, back at they go to Fish Stew Pizza to get some uh, to get some food. They're talking about uh, Buck mentions that the t-shirts will be great for a laugh. Steven's confused, but then watches Jenny uh, come in and show off her new shirt, calling it hilarious. Buck insists that the only important thing is that people are talking about the shirts, not why they're talking about the shirts. And Steven goes to see Greg and realizes that nobody is actually coming for lessons. They're all kind of like stopping to take pictures with Greg or talking. Greg's become a celebrity because he's guitar dad, but is not generating any sort of income for Greg as guitar dad. Um, Steven runs home, uh, and tells every, or base, or sorry, I'm skipping apart. Uh, he, Steven then tells, uh, Buck that things are going terribly, uh, that this is not making any money for his dad. Uh, and, um, Buck is like, well, that's not the fucking point. <laughs> we can't stop this even if you wanted to. Uh, they argue back and forth, uh, but Buck is basically like, listen, I'm going to keep making shirts as long as people keep wanting the shirts. Uh, and Steven goes off. He runs back to the gyms dejected. Uh, he tells the gyms that there's an emergency. Uh, they're like, they, they spout off a number of fucking crazy things <laughs> that it could possibly be. And Steven's like, no, somebody's just using my art without my permission. They're like, oh, that's. That's kind of like a metaphysical problem, my dude. We can't, like, punch that. You're going to have to go figure it out for yourself. And Steven's like, I will show them. I'll show them all. Um, <laughs> back on top of the roof of Funland, Steven has the t-shirt cannon and some sunglasses. Uh, Mayor Dewey is attempting to give a commemoration speech for the bench that we saw earlier. When Steven fires a t-shirt at, uh, at him, uh, his Secret Service immediately abandons him. He gets hit right in the fucking face with it. The crowd scatters while Steven just starts littering the whole area with T-shirts. It's revealed that the T-shirt is a T-shirt of the design that Buck did for Mayor Dewey when he was a child. Everybody finds this hilarious. Uh, Buck sheds a single stoic tear. Uh, back at the car wash, Steven gives Greg the last Guitar Dad t-shirt, saying that it's a super limited edition. Uh, when Buck shows up to apologize, uh, Steven accepts the apology, and Greg asks Buck if he wants to take a picture with him or something, but Buck replies that he wants to take a lesson uh, from Guitar Dad, revealing his own Guitar Dad t-shirt, Star Wipe the End. Uh... <laughs> so, yeah. Uh... I love, like, opening on this, like, this whole, like, drawing sequence is very cute. It's so cute. And I love yeah. that this is how Steven sees his dad as, like, mm -hmm. this cool, this cool force for guitar good. <laughs> yeah. I love that the gems are on the couch the entirety of this episode. What are they doing with <laughs> the stools? It's never addressed. <laughs> it's just this weird background gag. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Like, it changes every time we come back to the gyms, but they can't seem to assemble the stools. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just because it's early and I haven't watched an early episode in quite some time, but the Pearl just looks so, like, so, like, slap job drawn this episode for some reason. Like, her eyes are just, like, full circles. There's, like, no depth to anything. It's just, like, her on the couch, like, blank stared the entire time. And I really dig it. 
Well, uh, we were at, we've discussed earlier, like, apparently, like, the kind of, like, shifts in art is that they put a lot of emphasis on, like, doing stories through storyboarding. So that's why the writers for the episodes are credited as writing, written, and storyboarded by. And they're specifically mm. teamed up and they're writing and storyboarding teams. Uh, so, like, the mm. art pulls very heavily from whatever was storyboarded, so the writers and storyboarders can tell kind of basically however the story they want to be told is. So that's kind of why Steven Universe, quote-unquote, falls off model so often. I didn't know. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, that So interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> So season like the the art kind of does become more codified as the as the series goes on, it gets a little less like mm-hmm. loosey goosey. But yes, except for ex- paradise, except height. for paradise, ever shifting heights. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love that he like right like I love I love like I just they're so good at like that like punchy minute to minute just like sight gag of like Stephen being like guys and they're like on the couch they're like yeah what. <laughs> <laughs> like the the way Steven Universe like der- just derives very like I guess like very simple humor out of situations is good like like they're very good at telling that like quick punchy joke um I mean they're definitely funnier shows than like Steven Universe but uh like it's a very uh it's a very cute v- v- way of doing the thing um Sadie's continues to be the best character in Steven Universe. A hundred percent. She's so good. Yep. A hundred I love how she's like, what are you doing with that cute flyers? Like, she specifically makes sure to, like, compliment Steven on his work. She knows he made it. Like, it's mm-hmm. obvious that Steven made this. So she's like, what are you doing with that cute flyer, Steven? She didn't have to say that. But she's the best character in the show. She really is. Um, on a scale, I've got to ask you both. This is a poll. Uh, this is our new segment, uh, poll time. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, on a scale of like one to 10, how much does, does Lars want to fuck Buck Dewey? Like, <laughs> oh, that's an 11. That's an 11. Oh, my yeah. Dear. <laughs> 11 minimum. 11 minimum. <laughs> it's like it's not even like i love how they're just like yeah lars is basically in love with buck for some reason and i don't feel like this is how it was in lars and the cool kids like they just like amped it up like i mean i guess i can see it if i was like if i was lars and buck dewey existed i mean like yeah he's very cool also there's only six people in this town so yeah well there was like five of them are cool like so there's like six people in the town, four of them are cool, and two of them aren't. Yeah. And it's like basically Buck Dewey or Sour Cream <laughs> for, for Lars. So. Mm-hmm. Well, there was that point in Lars and the Cool Kids where Buck talked about like dealing with his dad's lack of affection and stuff, and they knew like had the close up on Lars's face. So I think that's the point where Lars decided that he was in love with Buck Dewey. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god. Hi Anya. Uh, <laughs> uh the So at what point do you think Buck becomes a mean asshole in this episode? Is it right now or does it come later? Yeah. 
oh, it's right now. It's the up and down of the donut store and then ordering a salad. <laughs> I don't know if he... He's malicious intent from day yeah, one. It's true. Like, is... I can't tell if Buck's supposed to be, like, too cool for school or just so oblivious he doesn't know what's going on around him. Part of me feels like... Part of me feels like he goes be like, you know freshman art student who like life is a performance piece and I live to disrupt and like reaction is my goal and like that kind of energy you know like shithead kid who like saw one performance artist do one thing disruptive and is like (laughs) that's me he's like this is me yeah me and Banksy were the same (laughs) oh yeah yeah me and Banksy we (laughs) operate on the same mental wavelength like like I can basically text him with my brain like that's the energy that Buck gives Mm -hmm. me uh, <laughs> I, wrote, I hate my notes. I wrote here, hey, Joe Biden, when Mayor Dewey's like talking about the youth vote. Oh, my Very, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, I blocked like the Animal Crossing bullshit out of my brain until you said that just now. And I'm so mad about <laughs> it. I'm going to have to pay thousands of dollars in therapy to get that shit out of my brain again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But you're right. Mayor Dewey has an Animal Crossing town. He does, yeah. Of course he does. How how else is he supposed to connect to his, his electorate? Like, at some point, sour cream's going to be old enough to vote. He needs that sour cream vote. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, why did I write... I, wrote, I don't know why I wrote Buck is lost in the sauce. I don't know about what... Or at what point? It's just, I guess, applies to the whole episode. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I feel like that applies to the whole episode, but maybe it's, like, about the shirts being art Mm -hmm. and, you know, you don't don't understand, Dad. Yeah, it's... I love... Oh, go on, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go on. Oh, I was gonna say, I love the complete, like, oblivious, like, big-headedness you have to have in your world, in your life, when you can, like, fully call someone else's entire creation your art. (laughs) It's true. I'm like, no part of that was your art. (laughs) Like, I also feel like this is an interesting contrast to Lars and the Cool Kids, where, like, Lars are... Because uh, Buck is talking about how, like, Mayor Dewey is not necessarily affectionate to him. When Mayor Dewey seems like he's a... He's not, like... He's probably not... He's not Greg's levels of the good dad. But, like, he doesn't seem like that bad a dad, frankly. Yeah, he's like kept the the cute little poster that Buck drew for him and is clearly emotional about it. Yeah, and like when Buck's like, no, we're making art. He's like, well, I don't understand it, but here's a thousands of dollars worth of equipment to do it with. Get at it, son. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, there are those parents that just throw money at it. Yeah, but I just don't necessarily like, feel like it. that's what he's doing here, you know, like. Yeah, because obviously definitely. he didn't buy this for Buck. He had just, you know, he bought this because, like, you know, he, yeah. he needed it. Um, maybe uh-huh. who knows? You probably don't actually need anything to, as we will see later. You don't need anything to get elected mayor of Beach City. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, but like he just he seems nice enough and supportive enough. Like this just feels like Buck hasn't. Buck's probably like nineteen and hasn't gotten out of angry teenage mode. Very. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I assume Buck's, like, roughly the same age as, like, Lars and Sadie, and we're assuming Lars and Sadie are somewhere in the ballpark of 18. Um, 
Yeah, Buck gives me very, like, angry boy. Yeah. But, like, unjust- he's just unjustifiedly angry white boy. Yeah. Well, that's... Yep. We all know that person. Yeah. Um... Yeah, my like notes are very sparse about this because I, I was like, yeah, we're just going to we're just going to riff on like Buck being a fucking asshole. Because like my next note a- <laughs> yeah. after this is like, why are they building the stools? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Garnet's advice I is actually it. good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Garnet continues to be the, the 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 most mom mom, I guess. Or no, the the most responsible mom. Sorry, Pearl's still the most mom. Yes. Not gonna take that title mm-hmm. away from her. Uh, I just. Why did they give Aranon more ammunition for his conspiracies? Oh, I meant to go. Like, I meant soon- to go to keep Beach City weird and see if there's a post about the t-shirts. Oh Jesus Christ! Oh my God! Not Aranon, not Aranon. <laughs> I can't. Here we go. Uh, oh geez! Somehow I've saved just like the Princess Koala picture. I don't. That's the like when I typed it in, it was the first thing that popped up. Um, oh my god! Oh Jesus! Tum- I hate Tumblr's interface. Just for the record. Uh. Oh yeah, here we go. There was a post about it. So what uh, Ronaldo said about this today, I made contact with an alien with my face. The T-shirt came flying down from space and hit me in the head. It bears the image of an alien known as Guitar Dad. He appears to have the power to turn sonic energy into electricity, and he looks totally ripped. (laughs) Why was I chosen to receive this message? (laughs) Is this T-shirt a transdimensional textile that will send me across the galaxy to learn how to play sick riffs? Or is this a clever ploy to destroy all of you? Mandy, a soft cotton ploy embrace that will disintegrate me into dust i will never know because it's a child's me uh because it's a child's medium if you're reading this guitar dad i wear an extra large no v-necks please <laughs> oh my god <sighs> lord oh my god oh my god uh, i'm glad i looked that up <laughs> Yeah, that was, a, that was a treasure. That was a treat for us. Um, so, I guess my last note before we like get deep on deep on the Buck thing is I I really fucking love that like Mayor Dewey's secure like because I thought because I've watched this episode before and I just forgot like the first time when I was doing this rewatch I was like oh are they gonna do get down Mister President thing and then the security abandoned him I'm like that's so much better of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh my like, that scene was truly sinister <laughs> i was like damn Steven universe gets tells the weirdest darkest jokes sometimes yeah i was like damn y'all really chose this narrative to go on i love it but it's wild <laughs> you're really just gonna have a fucking like a political shooting in the middle of your episode yeah uh, go off you you could have just DMCA'd uh, Buck, know, right? but you know, just shoot his dad. That's fine. <laughs> listen, listen, everybody. Steven Universe's advice: yeah. if somebody steals your art, shoot their dad. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it's it's old school. You know, eighteen hundred rules. It's a duel if you take but what's mine. Yeah, that's how Hamilton ended. That's how Andrew City Burr works. went and killed Hamilton's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
But yeah, so is do you th like I because the question got posed. Usually we do like uh, questions from the discord at the end, but I'm kind of going to go with this one because I feel like it's a good prompt for the conversation here. But um, so Shannon is like is asking um, basically like Buck is obviously mean here. I don't think that's necessarily in debate, but like how much of this is him specifically trying to make fun of Steven, trying to make Steven feel bad about his art? Or is this like just Buck projecting his feelings about his dad or his own his own experiences? I, Obviously, that doesn't necessarily justify his actions, but like I, I don't know how much maliciousness there is involved in like Buck's actions here. I don't think I think if we were going to see Buck be malicious about Steven, it would have happened in Lars and the Cool Kids. I don't think this is about Steven at all. Steven is mm. just collateral damage and Buck doesn't give yeah. a shit. Like the, I, I agree. Yeah, it's not necessarily like that's kind of why I was feeling like Buck doesn't want to make Steven feel bad here, but he also doesn't care if Steven feels bad here. Mm hmm. Because. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah, Stephen was definitely the collateral damage in this situation, and like Buck was just like taking out his own little daddy issues, right? This on all everyone around yeah. him. It's just like him trying to inflate his own ego, do his own thing, and I like. I'm glad that he comes and he apologizes at the end of the episode. It's good that they kind of like show that, and he he like comes to. The, I also like that it's not like Stephen didn't. I do kind of find it interesting that, like, this is one of the, like, Stephen, well, I guess he did try to do it, because, like, usually how Stephen solves a problem is he goes and he talks to them, and he's like, hey, this is how I'm feeling, and you're being mean about it, basically, you know? Uh, but then he mm -hmm. tried to, I realized he did try to do that, and then Buck was like, fuck you, kiddo. <laughs> um, yeah, I, what's the messaging about revenge here? Yeah, like, uh -huh. should you murder somebody else's dad? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I guess it's one of those things where they're trying to show that like if you if the person that you're trying to talk to isn't having anything of it, take direct a direct action. I mean that's fair. Like he tried to solve the problem through talking, and Buck shut him down, and then like it's either sit there and take it from Buck or stand up for himself, and he stood up for himself. Yeah, and I think he did it in the least malicious way possible. Like, I don't think. Yeah, what's what's? I don't think he like was trying to like sl like slander Buck. I just think he was like, this is what this is. You know, an equal situation. Mm -hmm. Like, here's your art that I'm using is what the approach was, as opposed to here's your embarrassing art that I'm using. And what's really interesting is. Steven doesn't actually accredit any of this to Buck because it seems like even when Kiki is like putting on the T-shirt, right? Or not Kiki, but um, mm -hmm. oh, what's the other fish sister? Yeah, you all know who I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, it's, it's yeah. Um, uh, when she's putting on the T-shirt, she's like, look, the, the, she doesn't ever call out like, look at this dumb thing you made, Buck. Right. Like mm -hmm. seemingly no one knows that Buck made these things. And Steven just did this to show like specifically just to Buck, you know, like he didn't even mm -hmm. make like didn't even make fun of Buck on a public. So he didn't like get up on a microphone, like look at this dumb shit Buck made. Um, yeah. 
uh, he's just like, this is how, you know, this is the similar situation. This is how I feel. Got Buck out of like pulled Buck Buck's head out of his own ass there. Yeah. Well, I feel like he was definitely Jenny, by the way, it's her name. Mm. I feel Jenny, like he yes. was definitely I looked it up. I cheated. But um, no, that's fair. That's I feel fair. like he definitely went more the route of like. I'm not doing this because your art is bad. I'm just doing this because you took my art first. So I didn't think my art was bad and you took it. And I don't think your art is bad, but I'm going to take it because you took mine. Yeah, that's actually funny because. So I definitely don't think it was like. Yeah, yeah because I don't think Steven realizes people find the, the art funny because it's, you know, air quotes bad. Mm hmm. Yeah. Steven's just upset. Yeah, I don't think Steven fully grasps the whole situation of yeah. like what's quite going on to the full extent past like my art has been stolen, but it's not doing the exact thing it's supposed to be doing, which is benefiting my father. Yeah. And it's in fact benefiting somebody else like, or somebody's yeah. using it to benefit themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's a solid point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's not that, 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 cause I was trying to figure out like what Steven doing here, but then th that makes a whole lot of sense. Like Stevens is here not trying to make fun of Buck. He's just taking Buck's art because Buck took his art. That act that that makes a lot more. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think Stephen. Yeah, I think like you said, Stephen just doesn't understand quite fully what's going on past the fact that somebody is benefiting and somebody isn't. Yeah, because to be perfectly honest, I think if Steven realized uh, the entire town was making fun of his 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 funny drawing, he'd be devastated. That would destroy oh, yeah. that time. Little heartbreak. Yeah. And then I'd have to go but it's always, you fist know, fight all of these fake people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what you gotta do. Jump right into Cartoon Network and put on your boxing gloves. Um, the, let's see. Okay. And I think, yeah, I, I mean, I don't necessarily, this kind of feels like I'm in kind of the same boat about like, I, I know basically like they have, like they have 11 minutes. You got to resolve it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but I feel like this is kind of like the same situation where, like on uh, the island vacation where I'm just like, all right, we resolved it. I know we're going to kind of move forward, but I don't necessarily, I don't feel like Buck really earned, earned his place back into like Steven's good graces, frankly. Mm -hmm. But that also might just be a limitation I of mean, the format storytelling wise. I also think Steven's innocence is like really protecting him in this instance where it's like, he doesn't quite know. Mm hmm the extent of what's going on right now. Right, right. And so he can like just reset and like go back to like just being friends with everybody. Right, right. That's a, yeah. Okay. All right. Do we have anything else? I think he got his full resolve. Right, exactly. Uh, do we have anything else about uh, shirt club? Um, I just enjoyed how dramatic Pearl and Amethyst both Oh, were. yeah, I forgot to talk all about that, because that scene also fucking slayed me. <laughs> like, it's just very cute, and I liked the way that Pearl and Amethyst played off each other, because, of course, I'm going to pay attention to any and all Pearl and Amethyst dynamics from now until forever. Um, I just thought it was very cute. It was very cute. Also... 
like low key shit that's actually happened in the show, except for like people catching fire when they put on magical clothing. <laughs> like every yeah. one of the uh-huh. scenarios they lay out, you're like, yeah, that could happen. Unfortunately, <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I forgot. I forgot. It. I I don't know why I didn't put a note about that scene because I remember like fucking like laughing out loud as they they escalate that situation to funniness. Okay. I mean, that didn't even escalate quickly. It started out <laughs> escalated. <laughs> okay. All righty. Uh, we're moving on to episode 47, Story for Stephen. Uh, this one was written by Joe Johnston and Jeff Liu. Uh, the official synopsis, Greg tells Stephen the full story of how he met Rose Quartz. Eh. Sure. I mean, <laughs> I'll give I'll give this one to yeah, him. Yeah, I guess that yeah. Again, it could be solved by another a second short sentence. <laughs> or even just the addition of like fantasy sequence ensues. Yeah. Like or flashback sequence ensues or something like right? that. Right? Like in basically yeah. literally any effort. <laughs> give me a comma and a, and, a, and a few more words and we're there. <laughs> you have a full, uh, uh, you know, a blurb. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to like a like a whisper, you yeah. know. All right, Stephen is hanging out with Greg in his van, playing music. Greg v- begins to pick up a drink, but a photograph that was attached to the bottom of it falls off. Stephen catches it. In the photo, it shows a picture of younger Greg with his manager Marty. Greg explains that Marty was an old amigo from way back. Uh, he also explains that Marty was his manager from when Greg uh, met Rose. Stephen asks what the deal is with Marty, and Greg explains that he and Marty parted ways uh, when Greg got together with Rose. And Stephen asks for the full story. Uh, Greg begins to er, agrees to tell him and starts playing his song. It transitions into a flashback, uh, and we get the uh, the song Comet. Um, it's a big kind of like '80s power ballad barn burner of a song. Um, and at it like it's got this whole fucking music video shit going on with it. Uh, but as the song comes to an end, uh, we find out that Greg is basically playing to nobody except for one clapping person in the back, Rose fucking Quartz. Uh, she claps and comes over to the merchandise table when Greg goes to sit down. Uh, they have uh, a bit of a conversation where uh, Greg is initially just kind of like in character and then kind of flirting with her. Uh and eventually she's like looking at one of his CDs is like, hey, you want that CD? It's yours. You want a free T-shirt? Sure. And he goes to get the T-shirt. Uh, but out of the van comes Marty along with uh, a lady. Uh, they hop out of the van. Uh, Marty tells uh, Greg not to give anything away. That's their fucking money. Uh, saying that Greg uh, needs to make him some money. Um, Greg turns to give Rose the T-shirt, but she is gone. Marty says, come on, man. We've got like a big gig tomorrow night in Impact city let we can maybe make some real cash and as far as these people are concerned we already have some real cash so fucking live it up because we're hitting the fucking road later um greg begins to go in search of rose and he eventually finds himself at a fence bordering uh the beach that leads to the crystal temple atop of it is a purple owl um who does like an owl who and Greg's like, oh, I'm just like looking for this big tall lady. I don't suppose you know where she is talking to the owl. And the owl's like, yeah, I know who the fuck you're talking about. Greg's like, wait, what? 
Uh, and Amethyst, the owl, flies off. Uh, Greg jumps the fence, chasing her, coming around the corner to find Amethyst, explain the situation to, uh, to Pearl. Um... Pearl, be, uh, like, Amethyst sort of, like, jumps at Greg, transforming into her kind of, like, more humanoid self. Greg's a little freaked out, and Pearl is trying to get Greg to fucking shoo away when Garnet warps in. Uh, and, uh, Pearl is like, I can't get him to go away, Garnet. You need to make him go away. And Garnet's like, all right, I'll just fucking throw him. Uh, <laughs> she she picks up Greg uh, when finally... Um, Rose comes out and she's like a Mr. Universe. Uh, Greg uh, is like, hey, here's your free T-shirt. Um, and Rose basically explains like he was having a concert. Uh, I, his gimmick is space. Um, it's all very cute. Uh, Amethyst asks Greg to sing. Uh, and Greg's like, uh, yeah, I can I can uh, I, I can probably do that. And then he kind of looks around and realizes like how what time it is. Uh, and he realized that Marty's going to be leaving him behind. And he rushes off, uh, throwing out a little bit of a one-liner to Rose. And then uh, Pearl says that she can sing. And everybody kind of laughs at her. Pearl's very salty. The uh, Later on, we find Greg laying in the back of the van as Marty is driving to Empire City for their big show. Uh, but Greg is very distracted thinking about Rose. And Marty's like, listen, man, you need to be thinking about making money uh, more than your fucking feelings. Um, uh, Marty begins to try and play something in the tape deck and it won't work. So he's like, Hey, go ahead and play me something on the fucking guitar. Uh, Greg's playing this kind of like song he's working on. That's about his feelings toward Rose. And Marty's like, listen, man, ain't nobody gonna fucking listen to that sappy bullshit. You need to make me some motherfucking money. And then he says some sexist shit. And, uh, Greg's like, Hey, you know what? Get the fuck out of my van. <laughs> this is my van. Fuck off. Um, he kicks Marty out of the van, dashes back to Beach City, drives through the gate, or drives through the fence, comes into the temple, and begins to play uh, a song that doesn't have a title, I guess. Uh, not listed as a title in here. Um, eventually, Rose comes out. Uh, she looks very sad. She's like, listen, you're very cute and kind of hot. And I would love to, for you to stay with you, but like you're human, you have a limited lifespan. I'm not going to have you throw everything away from me. Um, and Greg replies that you, uh, uh, she says, I'm not going to let you give up everything that you want for me. And Greg says, well, that's a problem because you're the only thing that I want. Uh, and I assume immediately gets laid. Uh, <laughs> uh, Greg ends the story. Uh, Steven looks extremely happy. He kind of teases Greg and Greg's like, well, I guess if we didn't have Marty, I wouldn't have met your mom. Uh, and I wouldn't have had the impetus to come back to beach city without him. Uh, the, e the episode ends as, uh, Greg puts the picture of Marty up on his kind of like little row of pictures, uh, star wipe the end. Um, I love the musical episode. We got the rain intro again. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it is tied to whatever the weather of the episode is. Um, why did I write down mood, Greg? Oh, yeah. It's when he says, I'm losing my hair, but I can still play guitar. Uh <laughs> 
see, I wrote down fucking mood Greg too. He's dead to me. <laughs> I know, right? Very, very Greg mood. I love the deadpan very. delivery of that line. Like, he's dead to me. <laughs> yeah. He's dead to me. Yeah. He's very, very good. Um, the So, Comet fucking slaps, right? Well, so first hard. of all, so first hard. of all, I want to okay. say that at least this isn't going to be as bad as How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> we know a how we do find out immediately how he met his mother, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. who the mother is. Um, love and it. It's, I love Comet. Comet slaps so hard. It's so good. Oh God, the animation values during that that whole sequence mm-hmm. are so good too. Like. It it like hits the the vibe. Uh, I, I I keep thinking I need to make Greg's guitar because it shouldn't be hard to make. It's just like a fucking Kramer like one hundred or something like that. Um, what is hilarious is like assuming this is taking place in like roughly the same year that it comes out, right? Like two thousand fifteen. Like and Greg was obviously like with rose for a while because this is really young greg and when we saw greg in the videotape before just before steven was born he looks very much more like current greg um Mm -hmm. but it couldn't have been that long so this was like the 90s when he was playing this bullshit (laughs) like no wonders no one's coming to his fucking concerts greg's like i want to play 80s power ballads and they're like yeah but grunge he's like nope 80s power ballads. <laughs> and he's valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. He made the right decision. And what a little dream boat. <laughs> yeah, why is young Greg so hot? <laughs> I don't know, but I don't feel... <laughs> I feel many feelings about it. <laughs> None of them are positive. <laughs> like, our entire Discord has been like, fuck, why is Greg hot? We don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh, uh, the like, I also wrote God, what a mood is the like, as the thing comes up in like, just fucking nobody's there. And then you have to immediately walk off stage to work your own merch booth. Like, that is the most like fucking grinding in a shitty band vibe I've ever experienced through cartoons. Big time. Um, What do you think? So, uh, oh, uh, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say, it is so, uh, watching back at, like, the any introduction of, like, Rose, you're just like, oh, I know you're, you're not, you're not as beautiful as they're portraying you right now, you know, but right now you're just, like, the height of, like, gorgeous, gorgeous, like, glamour and tranquility and, like, peacefulness, mm-hmm. you know? Such mixed feelings, but... She looks so good the whole episode. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. How do you feel about our, our first real actual introduction to Rose, August? <sighs> I mean, you know how I feel about eight foot tall women. <laughs> I mean, the, the Resident Agreed. Evil trailer did drop this week, so. <laughs> yeah, you know how I feel about eight foot tall women, so. I also, um, I love that Greg immediately is like, like, he is... He's so confident while being, like, really earnest and dorky, but, like, he is so fucking, like, he just exudes this, like, like, obviously, he like, it's ridiculous that he wasn't a fucking rock star because, like, he's just, like, full of, like, charm and charisma, like young Greg Mm -hmm. is, uh, 
and just like also just realizing that your merch is worthless and using it to like hit on people is uh, also a, a punk like a like a struggling band mood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, August. Yes. Who do you think that uh, person is with Marty is? Uh, I mean, I feel like with a name like Fidelia, it's pretty clear that she's Sour Creams' mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's got to be Sour Cream's dad. Yep. Um, <laughs> which, you know, so it's entirely possible that Sour Cream was conve- conceived in the back of Greg Universe's van. And that it's is absolutely horrible. That, that is in fact true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because we we'll, we'll meet Vidalia a little bit later, um, in like the current time, but it's very heavily implied that in fact uh, that is what happened. Ugh, Marty's so gross. He's the fucking yeah. worst. I'm glad he's dead to Greg. Real slimy, slimy guy. Um, the freaking uh, uh, the way they draw his teeth are just just yeah, he's just, just like, horrible. They're, they they just go full tilt into like you're not supposed to like Marty at all immediately. No, there's not a single detail you're gonna like, children, about this this fang tooth creature, right? This awful lizard man. <laughs> uh, then my next notes are eighties pearl, baby amethyst, nineties garnet? Question mark. Love it. Yes. There were so many different so many different decades in that group of three people. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so very very good. Flashdance Pearl was such a great time, and like like nineties hip hop like Garnet was so good. So I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Is Greg why Amethyst has long hair? That is the accepted fan canon. Okay. Yeah. She yeah. thought Greg looked cool. And I mean, he oh. did. Mm-hmm. Like. Because if you look at this hair compared to the hair that Amethyst has now, it's basically the exact same hair. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was that was my thinking. So, yeah, that's that's adorable. That is that's very sweet. That's so cute. <laughs> um, fucking. The, I, I like I the got level the vibe. Of, oh, go, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. I said go on. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't hear that. Oh. Um, no, uh, I got the vibe when Amethyst was like, he followed me over the fence. I, I expected that to be followed by, can we keep him? <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Uh, and Pearl would be like, no, throw him into the ocean. Commit yeah, him to you the don't, sea. You don't know where it's he's been is a great line. Don't <laughs> yeah. touch him. You don't know where he's been. Frankly, true. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then and then she apologizes to to Greg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um man, he's just like he's so uh, like like you can see like this level of like cute dorky charmingness like this is this is what Steven's going to be like at this age. He's just going to be a fucking mm-hmm. like like full on like loving himself charmer like Greg is and mm-hmm. uh it's it, it's going it's great. Like, lucky for Connie. Like, uh, <laughs> um, because, like, I like how, like, Rose is, like, his gimmick is space. Like, 
like they barely understand human culture, but I'm glad they get gimmicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and also salty pearl. Very yeah, good. I, so salty. I feel so I feel so bad for Pearl. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, you know, Rose's scabbard left such a bad taste in my mouth. I just I feel so bad for Pearl in that situation. No, that's fair. But then again, I mean, I'm like yeah. Pearl Stan number one on this podcast, so she that's that is definitely the love of her life, but she is also like wildly defensive over like the slightest stranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite video is like Pearl being salty for like five minutes straight or something like that. Um, <laughs> and it's just like a super cut of Pearl being salty from the entire series. But the best part about it is every time like Pearl makes a salty remark, they have a Funko pop of Pearl in like a container and they pour salt over the top of it. <laughs> uh, and then they like, they eventually like pour through like three containers of salt. <laughs> Jesus completely Christ. Completely burying this Pearl Funko. Um, Fucking amazing. Uh, so, cutting to the van. Uh, so, like, Greg lamenting is fun. Marty says, how big is she? In I was a way, just gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> that, with a level of familiarity, like, this isn't the first time Greg's been obsessed with a really big lady. With a giant <laughs> I mean, woman. Like, he, that is such a good type to have for little <laughs> tiny tic-tac-sized Greg. <laughs> You, you know what? He's valid. Um, <laughs> like, mood Greg, I too want a large space woman. Yeah. And as, you know, as a, you know, eight foot tall, like, large woman myself, it's mm-hmm. nice to see Greg's on TV encouraging other Greg's to approach me IRL. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Greg solidarity. Uh, <laughs> man, they just double down on Marty's being a complete fucking piece of shit. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Thank like they god. Do, I like how like just unabashedly a piece of shit he like he's cuz we've had like people being bad people before uh, so far in the series, but no one as just like bold-faced like a real fuck like Saying shit that you would probably hear people say in real life kind of shit. Like, mm-hmm. from Marty. Thank God Greg drank his Respect Women juice this morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Greg's a good boy. He raised a good boy. He is a good boy. Yes. Um, the I just like my notes were like, yo, fuck Marty. Um, <laughs> uh, this is like my last, like... Uh, the run back. I like the. I like the second song. Is there a name for this song? There's gotta be a name for this song. Music songs. Okay, the second song is called Destiny. Um, but uh, I like the second song. I don't like it quite as much as Comet, but it's probably because like Comet has it's, all that like sick visuals to go along with it. Well, and it's I'm not the, as slickly was, produced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all like acoustic. And I, I like it because that song either ha- the end of that song either has happened in another song already or is going to happen in a future song. Right. Like the last like few lines. I can't remember what, what he says, but I, we, we've heard it in another song before. I think we will hear it in another song. OK. Yeah. 
So it's sweet to hear like the the building of that. It's so sweet. The it's interesting that like when Rose comes like the sadness that like Rose has of like listen, I like I want this thing but like you're small and mortal. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm very large and immortal. <laughs> like it seems like like we're dealing with like this is a different rose than who was like the rose in like uh Pearl's projection, you know? Like this is a rose who's like listen, just don't just don't. <laughs> don't do this thing. I've already lost so many things. Yeah. Well, I mean that's the difference of like 10,000 years though, isn't it? <laughs> right in finding a fucking war where all your friends die. Yeah. And then immediately Greg's like just He's so good at this. He's so surprisingly good at this. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, Greg can get it. Yeah, it's true. Oh, Greg's a charming, charming, charming little man. It's true. <laughs> like, we, we, breaking news. We regret to inform you that Greg Universe can get it. Yeah. <laughs> All the way. All the way. I mean... That little stripped down acoustic moment is everything. And the, the like, the like, the shot of her coming out in just the oversized shirt is great. Yeah. Just like, re- but with the whole gown under it. <laughs> right? But like, it's a. It, the nice thing about the art, like, it, it helps signify like a level of. Like, by putting her in the shirt, like, showing that she enjoys it, like, it mm-hmm. projects sort of like this, this visage of vulnerability within her i feel Mm -hmm. like she's Mm -hmm. not like it's not that she is just this like thing up on a pedestal that like greg is desiring like it brings her down to like greg's level and out of like this like you know um manic giant dream girl like vibe (laughs) goals (laughs) (laughs) um the the little, like, the little, like, teasing from Steven at the end is fucking adorable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You love her. <laughs> uh, so cute. This is the fucking cutest. I always love when Steven and Greg get to be just father and son and having cute bonding like this. True. This is, these were three very gem light episodes. Yeah. Like, they're there, obviously. Um, but, like, this is definitely, like, these are definitely, like, B stories to, like, really help fill out Steven as a character as we're moving into Mm -hmm. the finale, I feel like. Yeah, there was a lot of character building, and, like, I know they talk about it a lot in the future, but, like, in future, but, like, this kid goes, like, is is growing so fast, (laughs) and, like, even these, like, light-hearted, uh growth episodes are still like big lessons to learn at such a young age and such intense ways to learn them like in the first episode of just like this like it's an intense intense imagery there and then this one you gotta you get this like idealized version of love that's mm-hmm. like he's gonna worship for the rest of his life because that's what all kids do you know right especially when the 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 because even even as steven's feelings toward rose evolve uh Mm -hmm. he still keeps this idealization of like 
love and relationships at like his core. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. It's very starling the way that he in this in this season how he views his mom. True. And, and like, then it just gets sadder. Like this is yeah, just that- like, look at this beautiful boy. We will hurt him. Hmm? We will hurt yeah. him in unimaginable ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was, that was my big takeaway in watching, like, season one episodes where I'm like, oh, it's so sweet and innocent, and, like, it's all about just, like, Steven learning and growing, and, like, no, there's, like, very few, like, outside, uh, like, uh, agitators affecting him at this current moment. It's all just, like, a lot of, like, inward growth, and it's very sweet, and it's a lot, it's written so lovely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alrighty. Do we have anything else for story for Steven? Um. Alright, let's see what the Discord has to say. There was much Discord talk, but most of it was lamenting how hot Greg was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very fair, um, very fair. So, Will, uh, in our Discord, hey Will, uh, was the mayor's son being mean on purpose? Ah, fuck, this is the question I was actually thinking of earlier. I'm sorry, Will. Uh, was the mayor's son being mean on purpose, or was he legitimately trying to help? Um, also, uh, how cute was it that Steven wanted to help? And is Steven's vengeance appropriate? Does he, uh, uh, do, or, and does his apparent developmental age make it less threatening than it might be otherwise? So, I, I think we kind of talked about it with, like, Buck being mean legitimately or not. Um, but I don't, I, at no point do I think Buck was actually legitimately trying to help though. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not at all. Like, I think, I don't think he initially started out trying to hurt. I will give him that, but he definitely wasn't trying to help. I definitely think like you said earlier, other people are not in his viewpoint. And he found something that could, like, get him the attention he desired. And that's, it didn't matter what the outcome was. But it wasn't, like, malicious from the get-go. Or ever, I feel like. Right, right. Um, It was just, like, not negligent, but, like, self-centered, selfish. Yeah, yeah and oblivious. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Steven is very cute. The, the answer to is, how cute is Steven? It's very Every time, Fair. no matter what the situation is. Um, the, I think, I think that we sort of talked about Stephen's air quote revenge. Because I don't think he was getting revenge. I think he was just standing up for himself at that point. And like, like you said, I feel like he just turned the literal exact situation around on Buck to kind of show Buck how he felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's yeah. see. Uh, let's see. Uh, then Shannon is like, should Steven stay away from Rose's room until he's a little, I don't know, more mature or experienced or maybe just forever? What does it say about Rose's person that her room is so psychotic? Um, Anti-Rose fan club 2021. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't I don't think the room reflects Rose at all. I just think it's like, yeah, a, it's the hollow deck. Uh, like the room is a true neutral. Like it yeah. only. Uh, reflects what's inside of it i don't you know, know. <laughs> i feel like we've got we've we've got some evidence to show that there is at least some portion of rose within the room i and think i think 
I think when we see those portions of Rose in the room, I think that's Steve. Like, I think it's the gym in Steven manifesting those, not the room itself. Mm-hmm. Like basically yeah. Rose functioning as Steven, Steven's subconscious. Yeah, that that's fair. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I, do I think agree, the room is very dangerous the... and they should put tape over it and like put a lock yeah. on the fucking door. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's like Steven. Like, is he actually going to listen? Well, he's not maybe been watching because... television. He took the television punishment seriously. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think the room itself is psychotic. I just think that it's one of those things where Steven definitely needs some more discipline and self-awareness yeah, to be like, able to use it. Yeah, when the holodeck lets Moriarty out onto the Emprise, you don't go yell at Picard. It's not his fault. <laughs> Wait, was that his fault? No, that was Data's <laughs> fault. It was Data's fault. <laughs> right? Uh... Data was usually Sherlock Holmes in those those scenarios right yes i have very strong images of like uh data in one of those hats yeah i i do want to say that it was like data was holmes and uh laforge was uh yeah it was watson yeah 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 that make that that's right it's all flooding back to me now because <laughs> they're a great duo <laughs> I shipped it when I was too young to know what shipping was. <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, Will and Shannon have a good conversation in here about like it, it kind of like I, I similar to like the points that you you rose, Fangia, like the like Stephen being too innocent to get too hurt by this, thankfully. Like if he was a little bit more mature or maybe a little bit more self-aware, because that's mm-hmm. kind of one. Steven is not necessarily like self-conscious, um, mm-hmm. but if he was, it probably would have been like a significantly more hurtful, like uh, significantly more hurtful you know, response. Yeah, I definitely think that Steven did not grow up around like a lot of kids, let alone any kids, and let alone, like, mean kids, in order to, like, understand what was really going on. Well, we've determined there's only two other children. Uh, there's there's one other child and maybe something else in the form of, <laughs> like, uh, of Petey and Onion. We don't, we can't, quant- we, I don't feel like we can quantify Onion as a child. <laughs> I agree. Onion <laughs> is an entity. <laughs> Just the entity known as Onion. Uh-huh. Um, Uh, but yeah, the, uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. So a point that is kind of brought up in this conversation between Will and Shannon is like talking about like, is Steven's lack of self-awareness like supposed to signify some kind of like level of neurodivergence or something along that with his characters? I didn't know how y'all felt about that idea. I mean, I think that you and I have already agreed that Steven is ADHD, right? Like, yeah, there's pretty much no way that child isn't ADHD. Yeah, he's just not in like a curriculum that would force him to have to like deal with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that. 
So, but I don't, I don't think that necessarily contributes to the stuff that goes on in Guitar Dad, frankly. I think he's well, just like a sweet sheltered boy. Yeah. But I mean, the question yeah. was if he was neurodivergent, and I think we're we're all pretty on the side of yeah, he's neurodivergent. But yeah, yeah he's I I do feel like he's just a sweet sheltered boy who yeah. just has no one has ever given him any reason to not think the best of people right. that we have seen. Yeah, he still loves Lars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely think it is just a case of, like, he's just a very young, sweet, sweet, sweet child. And, like, the six people on this town, on this little island, have not, like, weathered his personality yet. Right. Well, it's because, like, the people in around him are, for the most part, very supportive, which is nice. It's mm-hmm. nice that, like, the show isn't, like, adults are dumb or adults are scary. Like, sometimes they're shitheads. But, like, for the most part, like, it shows, like... It shows kids the personalities that they can trust, like, and, and it shows kids the personalities that they should avoid, I feel like, pretty well. Sorry, I've still got the hang somehow. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Shannon also asks if Open Book is directly inspired by Animorphs. I think Open Book is basically Golden Compass. It's right. it's Golden Compass Harry Potter mm-hmm. fusion fan fiction because yeah. that the wizard school plus like all of the disappointment about the way that the series ended that is 100% Harry Potter. Does I don't I, I've actually not read through all of his dark materials. Uh, I think I've only ever read one his dark materials book. By the time I was kind of like aware of oh I the books I read as a child were not YA novels. I read a lot of Star Wars novels. Uh, <laughs> I owned like something like seventy five Star Wars books because I was a fucking nerd. Um, <laughs> so I didn't read any YA novels. Does does his Dark Materials end okay? Does it like stick the landing? I feel like it does. I feel like for what it is, mm-hmm. which is kind of the anti-chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like it does a good job of sticking the landing and is definitely better at sticking the landing than Chronicles of Narnia was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would agree. I would agree. Okay, cool. But also, like, His Dark Materials has uh, Eoric, so, you know, it wins automatically anyway. <laughs> that second book... As a kid, I read that too young because it was like all torture and murder, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, we're just malleting fingers now these days." Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Fast forward to the fucking Hunger Games, <laughs> aimed at I the know. same target audience. Um. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you uh, to people who talked in our Discord. If you want to talk in our Discord, you too can do that. Go to our the link that's in the description of the episode. I say below, but you're listening to this. This is an entirely audio-based medium, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the link to our Discord is there. You can come talk in our Discord. We talk about Steven Universe, our actual play podcasts, Animorphs, My Little Pony, we're currently talking about how Reddit is destroying the economy. It's great. It's a good time. <laughs> um, all righty. Um, Pangea, go ahead and tell everybody uh, like about your stuff again. Give them, give them another rundown about all, all, all your things. 
Let me tell you, I got the date completely wrong in the first half of this. Um, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so I'm glad we doubled back. But um, so as far as social medias are concerned, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Pangea, P-A-N-G-A-E-A-S underscore planet um, at, uh, on Twitter or Instagram. And then my next coming gig and the last gig I'm going to be doing until around Easter time is uh, on February 13th. And you can find the information on the Chicago Black Drag Council uh, page on Instagram, and they'll have all the information. We're doing a the Chicago Black Drag Council is doing like a full um, Valentine's Day weekend situation where we have, uh, I believe, six shows going on the whole weekend, uh, all from amazing like black artists around the country, but like led by the Chicago girls, which are fiercer than any girls I know. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's that's where you can catch me in this coming in this coming times. Will uh will those be available for like live streams and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. They will be uh streamed on Twitch. Cool. Should yell at yeah. yell at Riley and Jeff. They like live mm-hmm. in Chicago. <laughs> They're super fun. I started um I I submitted my number yesterday, but I was uh doing a little peeks at other girls' numbers and there are some truly fun numbers coming out of this 2000 this 2000s show <laughs> i was cracking up at four in the morning last night um wait wait when is the show happening february 13th february 13th okay i was like you want to give us the number because this might come out it's not gonna come it's gonna come out before that it's gonna come out right before that so uh we'll keep it secret um awesome <laughs> uh well thank you so much for coming on we loved having you on it was a good time it was a blast i had a blast this is a great show and great people. Thank you. Uh, as always, you can find uh, us uh, at Gay Space Pod on Twitter. Um, we you can find all of our other bullshit. Like if you're listening to the show, you probably listen to our other stuff. If you're if you're new here, uh, August and I do uh, a plethora of uh, actual play podcasts. You can find me uh, GMing on the Room Where It Happened. Uh, find me me in the show at Room Where Pod. Uh, August, you want to talk about FTL? Uh, sure. Uh, you can also find me on Follow the Leader, which is an actual play podcast with a focus on GMless tabletop games where we can all take the lead. Uh, you can find that on Twitter at FTLcast or at FTLcast.com. Uh, you can find both of us, uh, on our Animorphs-inspired game, uh, Dumb Kids Playing Hero. Uh, season two of that should be starting soon. Uh, you can listen to August and Anya talk about My Little Pony in much similar format to this, uh, though that show seems to wear on wear on your conscience significantly more than this one does. It just uh, it has so much potential, and that's <laughs> that makes it more disappointing when it fails, and it does <laughs> fail. Um, we also, if you like our podcast, like we're part of the podcasting guild standing stones, uh, the last show in it is Escafil files. Uh, if you like the idea of marrying a hawk, that's probably a good show for you. Um, <laughs> the, uh, or Falcon, I guess, you know, what I fucking mean, I can't, apparently I cannot tell the difference between a hawk, a falcon or an owl. Um, <laughs> uh, that's done by our good friends, Danielle and Jade. Uh, so go ahead and check them out. Uh, it's what at, at Escafil files on Twitter. I don't actually know how to, you'll have to type that to Google. Cause I do not have to know how to tell you Esca, how to spell Escafil. Um, but yeah. Uh, so next time, 
uh, we will be going into the finale. We will be covering... Uh, oh, God damn it, Brian. Get to the episodes. Cut this out. Uh, <laughs> so next time, we will be covering episode. We're going to do four episodes next time, everybody. We're going to be covering episodes 49, 50, 51, and 52. The Message, Political Power, The Return, and Jailbreak. We're moving into the finale, y'all. Uh, expect a very long episode next time. Like, strap in. Like, I know we usually do long episodes, everybody, but, like, strap in for fucking that one. Because, A, it's four episodes and also the finale. So, um, should be a good time. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming on, Pangea. Uh, we really loved having you. And I think it's my turn this time, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, and remember, everybody, be like Cookie Cat and leave your family behind. Peace. Peace.